Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... Hi, I'm Judy Free. I'm the Women's Health Nurse Practitioner. I'm also the Assistant Director of Wellness, and I oversee the clinic at Northwest Missouri State University. Welcome, Welcome. Judy. Thank you. Travis was telling you we've been trying to get you on the show since season one, but I don't know. Now you just fell into our lap, so we're super excited to be able to chat with you today. Well, thank you. What I like to start off with is can you just walk us through basically your career path? Why did you you know, want to go to college? I mean, I know, haha, surprised that you got your BSN <laughs> um, since we did a, an interview prior to this. But walk us through your path, kind of why you made the choices that you chose in order to get to where you are now. So um, I actually grew up in the area and I um, in high school, I always wanted to, I wanted to get a degree in something. I actually did some volunteer work at the hospital um, my freshman year in high school and then again my junior year in high school. Um, which led me to uh, nursing. Um, my grandmother had been ill and I had helped take care of her as well. So that was kind of where I, my career path was interested in. We did come to Northwest, my mom and I, to look over the program, which um, they told us was going to end. So that left at that time, 1982, um, that was pretty rare that there was a BSM program in the area. But there was one at Research in Rockhurst in Kansas City, and that happened to be where my grandmother had gone to the hospital a few times. So that's what led me to uh, research, and that was a great experience. And then I got my degree there, and that program actually had only been in existence. Well, see, I was the third cohort to graduate from there with my BSN. So um, I came back after I got my degree and I worked at the hospital at, actually in Fairfax for a while. And then um, I went to work for family planning in St. Joe and they had a satellite clinic in Maryville. And then they uh, led asked me if I wanted to jo go to school to be a nurse practitioner. So they actually um, paid for me to do my nurse practitioner in Dallas. So I was actually a certified certificate prepared women's health nurse practitioner. So I did that in 91. Can I ask what, can, when you say that, so, and you had mentioned before that you didn't think there were any certificate prepared programs anymore, right? Can uh -huh. you tell me what coursework or experiences did you have to have to, to complete that program? You had to have had, I think, two or three years of being a nurse before they would accept you for the program. And it was a pretty intense program. So we were only in Dallas. I say we. So it was all from federal government. So at that time, the counties that Family Guidance served, there were, I think, most of them, if not all of them, were underserved in health care because of our region and northwest, northwest part of Missouri. And so um, they paid the bill, federal government paid the bill for us to go to school. Um, so my focus was only women's health as well as prenatal care. And because of that, it, uh, we had to go to Dallas. So um, people from Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas went to Dallas for that schooling. So there was only 18 in the program for us there. And we were there 16 weeks. And then we did a, a five and a half months preceptorship. 
And some of that was with family guidance. And then uh, some of that was actually with Jane Dawson here in town because I had to do some prenatal care with that. So I did that for five and a half months. And then I was took a national certification test to be approved as women's health. Gotcha. So now the programs are all master's prepared. Gotcha. So then I went back and got my master's in 2004 at MU. And at that time, it was a master's in nursing with emphasis in public health. You graduated the first time in 1982, right? No, graduated from high school then. 86, I graduated with my BSN. Okay. Going back to graduate school as an adult, what was your decision-making process behind going back and getting a master's degree as well? Actually, to go to, to get my uh, nurse practitioner, I wasn't interested. Um, they kept asking me about the program at family planning, and I kept saying I wasn't interested. And my husband said, why don't you at least bring the, at that time, it was a brochure or a book, and open it up and look at it. At that time, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and that was going to be a tough sell for me. So going to Dallas, and I took her with us. My husband went 10 weeks, and he came back, and we had a nanny. So anybody that knew me probably that was way out of my comfort zone, but it was good experience. Uh, got to meet a lot of great people, got great education. I felt like, so it was a good experience, um, but it's challenging and it's hard. And they told us in Dallas because it was a pretty intense program. And I said, I felt like tennis balls were being thrown at me and they just kept coming faster and faster and faster. And they assured us when we got there, you, if you missed a day of class, you would not be graduating. That was the rule. If that's why I needed a nanny, because I couldn't be home with my child if she was sick. And actually, you have to do so many um, exams before you could. That's what we said, 100 exams before you leave Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a lot when you're a student and you're doing a lot of more paperwork as well and getting a lot more education. Yeah, it was a challenge, but it was good. And then even going back for my master's at that point, then I had two children I think I was only working part-time at that point, but the kids were a lot busier. They were in junior high. And um, I just remember taking my backpack to every ball game we ever attended or even just for practice and study, study, study uh, was the, the name of the game. Sometimes the situations that you have to set up as an adult learner teach you more than the content that you're supposed to be learning, just about discipline and about, you know, you got to make a way to squeeze this in here and there in these little tiny blocks of time. And you have to, hey, I need you to write a 25 page paper. And you're like, well, I better be writing 10 pages today. I'm not leaving this desk until I sit down and write my 10 pages because you don't have any other option. There's no free time to go do something. So I would often sit in the living room while the kids may be watching TV, have my earplugs in. So at least I was still with them, but I'd be studying. Another thing after they went to bed, then I would put in two to three hours of studying. Um, sometimes I do it in the morning because I, I, when I was in Dallas, that's what I do. I'd get up like at four in the morning and study before I go. <laughs> One time I wrote uh, some kind of reflection and then the instructor actually called me in. Are you okay? I think I was pretty bummed that morning, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, you do what you have to do. And I think <laughs> it does show to your family. I think the kids saw the value of it. They're seeing what it actually takes to get something done in terms of your education, like that you're willing to sacrifice, I don't know, watching your fifth 
law and order episode rerun. I don't know. That was just me, but (laughs) you're sacrificing lots of little pleasures to be able to do something that's an investment in yourself, an investment in your own learning. And I, you know, I did try to explain to the kids too, it was an investment in us as a family, because each time you would go back, it would benefit you financially as well. So tell us how you got to Northwest. So the ironic part of that is the medical director of the time, Dr. Wilmus, actually, I ran into him as on a fluke and he asked if I was interested in doing some work out here. And uh, at that point, I was a women's health nurse practitioner. So I originally started working here um, four hours a week because they had somebody that was coming up from St. Joe doing a day a week. And then shortly after I started, she decided to quit. I really think she was tired of the drive and she didn't want to say no. But when she found out there was somebody else there, then she said she'll back out. And so then I ended up getting that part. And then in that process, while I worked here, I also worked hospice for a while. I did regional response planning, preparing for, ironically, a pandemic before we knew there was a pandemic coming along. And I did some even teaching uh, with Trenton, too, with some OB stuff. So I did a variety of stuff with that. And so now you're the assistant director of the Wellness Center. So so what in all does that entail? I would assume that you're in a leadership position. So are you hiring folks or? Yes. Yeah, so we have actually four nurses. Right now they're all RNs. We also um, have hired uh, some family nurse practitioners. We do some contract work where we have some staff come from Mosaic. In my tenure here, we also, when our medical director retired, then I worked uh, with Mosaic to find another medical director. Then also, I still see patients. I see patients eight to 10 hours a week as well as um, the leadership part of it. So uh, we do have some student workers I uh, oversee. And then we also, um, I do a lot with the internships. So we, um, for many years now, we've had two to three interns each semester. So those students um, usually are going into like RN, or they want to go get their, uh, yeah, RN, uh, PA, NP, just different stuff like that. So we have those students as well. How do they discover those? Or do they just reach out to you if they are looking for an internship? Um, a lot of them I work with um, the School of Health Sciences uh, because they need an internship to graduate. And then we also sometimes we'll get students from Allied Health field. We've had some students that maybe aren't in the School of Health Sciences, but they're still interested in doing that track. And then they'll come through uh, on a different way, but they still do some internship. And then most of our student workers here are also looking at to doing some health care. Um, so they get that experience as well if we have student workers. Even in the setting, if they're sitting at the desk, right? In terms of like an office assistant position, it's good, it's good to have reception experience, any type of experience with patients in that type of setting, I would imagine. Yes, I, I agree. And a lot of our student workers, even in the back, we call it, or in our clinical area, some of them will do vital signs. Uh, some of them will finish up different labs. And I think any of that, even just ordering supplies and being more familiar with the terminology and the different supplies we need, it'd be helpful for somebody that's going on. And we're rather proud of our uh, students that have gone on and become RNs. And, um, you know, we just feel like that we've helped grow them, I guess, if you will. 
What are some of the service, maybe if someone's not familiar with, with wellness services and some of the services that you have, what are some of the things that, that you offer students right here on campus at the wellness center? Again, I oversee the clinic. So we see probably about 30 to 40 patients a day in the clinic. Um, that can be a variety of things. It can be whether they need immunizations. It can be um, they're sick. Uh, we do a lot of mental health care. Occasionally we'll do like if they've been to the emergency room and they need follow-up care, we do that. Preventive health care, like I say, I do the women's health stuff. I also do guy and girl sexually transmitted infections or any issues with that. So I think that's the part of um, the clinic side. And then we also have uh, counselors in our office as well. So we try to do everything holistically. So we have that available too if people are interested in that. And then I do some work also as far as well. We do have a separate with wellness education and prevention. Um, we do, I do some of that as well. Like I helped with the Stress Less Fest. We just did a presentation with the new international students to let them know of different services that's available. Uh, so it's some different stuff like, oh, we have a don't cancel the class kind of opportunity. So I do some of those as well. So it's kind of like jack of all trades, but it's good to get out there. And so people can see you as well. And it's it's good to meet the students in a different setting. Yeah. You guys do a ton of events. I mean, I know we like to pride ourselves on our events and career services, but then I look at how many you guys do in wellness <laughs> services, plus see patients, plus do all that stuff. And it's kind of amazing. So yeah, you guys are definitely doing a lot of the education on campus for health stuff too, which I know Sometimes that's better than the cure. Like if you can prevent it, that's better. Right. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's a fun job. If you could tell a student something that maybe from the wellness perspective would be beneficial to them in terms of maybe they don't know something that you see often or some piece of information, pieces of information that maybe could be really helpful to students that they don't know, what would that be? Get sleep. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, wait, that's staff to too. <laughs> yeah. People underestimate the power of sleep and I, you know, seven to nine hours nightly. Uh, you can't bank that. So that's my big mantra, water, water and sleep and 30 minutes of exercise. And I think somebody told me the other day, what you do between your 20s and your 50s is going to matter to your health after 50. Oh. But people don't really realize that. But I think you just got to take care of yourself in those little bitty ways. So I think that's beneficial because you just don't think straight. You Things look a lot worse when you're tired. So I think that's the piece I would recommend. And then I also would recommend volunteer. I think there's a lot of opportunities for volunteering. And then you can decide. Unfortunately, we do see students that come in here to work and they they decide this isn't what they want to do, but that's not a bad thing. You've now eliminated something and that's good before you go on down and decide, you you know, spend more money and spend more time and deciding this is, I don't think this is what I like. You got paid to figure that out. That's what I tell <laughs> students. You got paid to figure out something you don't like to do. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned hiring interns, and, and I know that you guys, you do a lot of stuff with interns. When you're looking at those students, are there skills, experiences, things like that, that, that really help somebody have a chance to get one of those on-campus internships with the Wellness Center, or is it just willingness to, to put themselves out there? Probably a little of both. So I know, right, I mean, the students are still trying to get experience, so we're probably not going to see a lot of that. Um, it may be a fluke if we already have somebody that's like, got their nursing aid or some experience with that. So what we're really, I'm looking for, I guess, is 
good references that uh, can tell me that they're prompt, they're determined, that they're willing to work. That's important. I, I know one student that I had, one of their comments from their uh, reference was that she's very shy. And uh, knowing that helped me lead her. And uh, she was one of my best workers, but I felt like I'm glad I heard that from a reference so I knew how to boost her up. And she ended up, like I said, she was excellent once we got going with her. So I think that's piece of it is just being willing to put yourself out there and working when you get here because we still some we'll see some people that really aren't happy being here and that's okay but we need to move on and so we have somebody that's dedicated it's important that there are a big confidentiality because we have student workers seeing students and that's something we pride ourselves on that we do keep everything confidential but i've been amazed at some of the students that have come through here to work their work ethic is great. And our future looks good when I see some of those students and I'm very proud of them. When you're hiring students, I like talking about this on the podcast because it's good to have a wide variety of comments from hiring managers, right? Especially in terms of on-campus employment, because it is a very, very competitive space. I don't think that people really know until they get on campus how competitive those student employment positions are. Can you tell me what kinds of qualities you look for? Maybe not necessarily specific to your area, but just in terms of you're going through an interview with a candidate, what impresses you about a student specifically? So on paper, what impresses me that they add a cover letter and a resume, that's will get them probably a little bit more likely to be interviewed. What about a cover letter? Because I tell students all the time, even if they're applying for an on-campus job or you know, a real, like their first professional job, even if it doesn't ask for a cover letter, send one. So I'm interested in what about the cover letter helps you or what do you like about that? What I think I want to see in a cover letter is why they want to work with us. And sometimes I see people cut and paste and then they're saying they want a different job that this isn't even what they've applied for. So uh, that to me, but did you read what I was looking for in a person? Then put that in the cover letter why I should interview you. Because uh, like you said, we may get 50 applicants. So we're not going to be able to interview all those. So that's a piece of that. Also, I do like to see if they've worked somewhere else. I don't care if it's Dairy Queen. I do like to see that because then that can tell me if they they're used to it or not. So I think, you know, used to some kind of work. And probably too, I, even if they don't have any work experience, if they were busy in high school, whether that be athletes, band, drama, anything like that, that can tell me they can multitask and they can keep their grades up, which is important too. So I think those are some of the things I like to see on paper. When I interview, dress up, dress like it's a professional interview because it really is. Be on time or be a time means be 10 minutes early. Note to self for my next meeting with Judy. (laughs) Then I think also eye contact. And then um, we ask them maybe some strange questions. I don't know if they are, but I think it's interesting the depth some people go and the not so depth people go. So be okay to put yourself out there a little bit. What are, what's one of the, just an example of one of the strange questions. I don't want to give away your secrets, but just what, what's maybe one of the types of questions. I think one of them is tell us about a time that 
you had difficulty learning a task and how did you move forward with it? That's one of them, I think, that we ask the student. And then we do ask about any experience, and I can't remember the exact wording, like with diversity. Tell us about a time that you worked with maybe a diverse population because we are curious how they work with students like that. And then, of course, we do something like confidentiality as well. And professionalism. I think we ask a question on professionalism. Maybe it's actually what's professionalism and confidentiality mean to you. So all things you can prepare for, people that are applying right. for jobs, you can prepare for all of those questions and should. I always told my kids this, and I try to follow it too. In an interview, silence is okay. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, fantastic. Thank you for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And that'll do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.